0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Good morning. It's now 9.35. It's time for the s and Show. <laughs> I'm Melissa Idris and here to rant about stocks and markets, Julian Ng and Ibrahim Sani. Okay so this week on on the SNM show we're going to continue the same the same kind of show last week um how exa- how expensive are markets right now so last week we talked about the PE ratio uh, which is crudely speaking the number of years it takes for earnings to pay back the price you paid, right Jules?
0: That's right, and uh, based on that, uh, the US is actually trading 18 times right now, so if you take that crude definition of what uh, the payback is, uh, each year of earnings in the US, well, uh, the price that you're paying now, you will take 18 years to have that earnings cover the price that you pay. Uh, whether that's cheap or not uh, is a question that uh, you have to answer for yourself or uh, you know, all these analysts that we know are uh, trying to answer for us. Yeah, well, of course
2: that that that's that's one aspect of it. There's another way of smoothing out the PE ratio, and uh, it's called CAPE, right? The, the cyclical adjusted PE ratio, and this is where countries like U.S. is actually trading at 25 times if you use the CAPE ratio. So what that means is that it takes 25 years for you to actually pay back the earnings that you put in. So I don't know uh, whether that's cheap, and I don't know whether you know investors have that kind of appetite to actually stay in for that game for so long, considering that your working hours, your working life is 25 years anyway.
1: I'm going to backtrack a little bit and actually ask how important looking at the P.E. ratio is. I mean, do you you put a lot of importance in the P.E. ratio of not just a, a certain company, but, you know, markets, in fact?
0: Yeah, it's an indication of value, actually. Because but it, do
1: you look at that before you, go, yes. you make an investing decision? Yeah, I, I
0: think so. Yeah, um, I, I mean markets are always, you know, different from the other stuff that we buy. So if you go to the the wet market, for example, and buy a bunch of kangkong, right, which apparently it helps you uh, to lower cost, in, <laughs> lower your cost of living. The kangkong, right? <laughs> um, you have an intrinsic feeling about the value of the kangkong. So if it's selling at I don't know, two ringgit per bunch, uh you feel that, okay, yeah, I, I'm getting this uh lunchtime dish at two ringgit. But if the price, for instance, suddenly rises to twelve ringgit, would you buy it? You 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 somehow have an intrinsic feeling and not buy it. But if it fell to twenty five cent uh, per bunch, you would probably not see that kind of pricing very last very long so there isn't a kind of intrinsic valuation and for pe ratios the intrinsic value comes from things like uh, the the kind of earnings growth that the company will have. What kind of company is it? Is it a growth company? Is it a stable mature company? Stable mature companies have uh, a lower PE than growing companies. Is it, a, for example, compared tech companies to cigarette companies? For example, mm. those two are valued very differently. Is it a company that whose prospects are no longer something to be believed in, and then that would probably have a maybe a zero PE ratio, right? Or uh, you got to pay for goodwill and uh, branding as well. That those are some of the things that we discussed last week but you know the the pe ratio of the u.s market at 18 times is the same level as the Malaysian market right now. So should Malaysia be valued at the same level as the United States? I guess whole professions have been dedicated to answering that question, and we shall not try to um, take them out of their jobs. <laughs>
1: that, yeah, that's the only reason why we're not doing that.
0: Yeah, but the other one, going to CAPE, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, CAPE is actually a, a, a PE ratio, but you take the average, the moving average of 10 years. So some people think this is the real PE ratio because 10 years would cover economic cycles, and then Therefore, it is an important ratio. And the U.S. right now at 25 times CAPE ratio is a a bubble territory compared uh, to history. Uh, For example, in the Great Depression, uh, the Cape ratio was 30 times. Uh, the eve of the the crash of the Great Depression, wow. that was 30 times. And we are at 25 times. Um, in the eve of the f- global financial crisis, the Cape ratio went up to 45 times. But certainly, very, very far away from the bottom of the cycle ratios at around uh, 5 to 10 times.
2: Yeah, so this is the argument that I'd like to make because for Malaysia at least, the PE ratio and the CAPE ratio isn't too far off. The index is quite similar. 18 years to 16 years. Uh, 18 years for PE, 16 years for CAPE. Uh, and you could see some slight difference in US for instance because they have you know factored in that CAPE ratio over a 10-year cycle and that has risen to about 25, as uh, Julian pointed out. But this is where Dramatic changes do happen. Norway uh, has a PE ratio of 78. Uh, if you imbue CAPE ratio, it's down to 10. Imagine one whole lifetime you have to spend in order for you to get your money back uh, if you use P-E ratio. But it's just uh, you know a cycle, an economic cycle, 10 years if you use CAPE. So Te-
0: technically speaking, you don't have to spend one whole year because if, if you bought something at 70 years P-E ratio, you hope mm. that the earnings acceleration would over the next few years would cover your investments cost so you hope for the P ratio to actually come down mm-hmm. sometime in the future and uh, in the process you make money out of that
2: yeah but okay so a hundred uh, index point basis point uh, you know Italy has 120p ratio uh, if you use Cape Italy has only 11 i don't know whether this is even fathomable um, was there something going on you know last year that that happened in italy so dramatically that shot up the pe ratio as such
0: well uh, K- pe's actually are very short term they use the uh, trailing P.E. ratio, right, based on existing earnings. So uh, sometimes that could mean temporary disruptions in your earnings as well. For example, Norway is very exposed to the oil sector, and Italy, I don't know what's going on there, um, is still part of that European <laughs> problem, right? Uh, so temporary disruptions in short-term earnings can really uh, skyro- skyrocket your P.E. ratio, but you smooth that out over 10 years, it comes back down to t- 10 times, okay. let's say.
1: Okay. Well, uh, P ratios and CAP ratios, we discussed that uh, extensively on the show last week. So if you want to catch more on that, you can download the podcast at our website, bfm.my, under SNM and m Show. Uh, but this week, we're going to look at another measure for valuation. In fact, this measure, uh, this long-term valuation indicator, has become very popular recently because of Warren Buffett. And we're talking about the market cap to GDP ratio. Um, he remarked back in 2001... Uh, that it is probably the best single measure of where valuations stand at any given moment.
0: Well, there is some again. There's some uh, intuitive, intrinsic uh, agreement to this idea that uh, stock market valuations should be tied to your GDP, right? Why should why should it stray too far away from what your economy produces? For example. Uh, if your market cap, your your market cap is a thousand times more than your GDP, what is the justification of that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you are you doing are you doing a lot more business outside of Malaysia uh, and then importing them back? And I, I don't know that there there is an intrinsic agreement with what. Uh, the the ratio is that trying to suggest.
2: Yeah, and and then of course the GDP does fluctuate uh, quite uh, dramatically. Again, I'm, I'm I'm on this whole uh, peer benching benchmarking, right? And uh, for instance, you you know that the GDP of uh, of uh, the developed countries are large, uh, but the growth uh, rate would be very slow if not negative. Uh, but does that reflect very heavily on say market cap within those countries? Yeah.
1: So break it down for me. I mean, is there a difference just in terms of the developing world and the developed world, right? So, I mean, is this correct? Do you agree with Warren Buffett when he says this is a good measure to be looking at given that not all countries, not all markets are created equal?
0: Yeah, I think so. I I think uh, in some way I agree with Warren Buffett. And there is a difference between the valuation of developed markets and domestic markets because sometimes investors go through this process of discounting. I mean, uh, somebody, let's say, Melissa, you have the ability to repay me Back uh, a lot more than Ibrahim, right? And that—that's what Standard Poor's <laughs> and Moody's d- mm. do. And I value you, uh, you know. I value Ibrahim, let's say one time of GDP, and I, I give you a two times GDP because just simply because I don't trust you, Ibrahim. Because you, I, I don't yeah, trust Ibrahim. your ability <laughs> to repay me. Um, and so if you look at these uh, the market cap to GDP ratios around the world today, the United States right now is trading at 114% to their GDP, whereas China, China is trading 44% to their G- GDP. What this means is that you are buying into a stock market right now that is half the value of the GDP, which means that market seems to be quite cheap. And what is the reason that it is cheap, right? You're opening a whole Pandora's box here. Oh yeah. well, with well, China,
1: it's probably not the same reasons as other cheap markets, right? I mean. I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole other kind yeah. of worms. Th-
2: there's also this, this whole notion that the Chinese government is perceived uh, to be supporting the market. They have been subsidising the market, they've been bailing out the market. They do not want to embrace that whole uh, market uh, liberalisation. So perhaps these are the reasons why you know, th- they are being traded at 44% instead of, say, 118% the way you know a full liberalisation market that we see in, in the US.
1: We're talking about what the measure of market cap to GDP uh, really means and how you can look at some of the uh, markets around the world. We mentioned China a little bit earlier. Uh, Jules, you said that the market to GDP ratio of China hovering around 44%.
0: Which is not a, a very auspicious number <laughs> for <laughs> no. Chinese, no, I not, guess. Not auspicious. Yeah, no, I mean, um, if
2: you add the two, then it'll be fine,
0: right? Okay. There are many ways to dice this, um, but but also, if you look at um, the valuation of market cap to GDP ratio compared to history, I mean, at what time at one time people were selling their houses, their cars, and their pet animal pet uh, to buy into China, right? Um, and it's historical. <laughs>
1: Who sells their pets to buy? I, it I to don't China?
0: know. <laughs> I don't know how much money you can get from that. Um, China, my, my cat certainly will will <laughs> not not fetch uh, enough yeah. to invest in China now. Six hundred and sixty-two percent was what China was uh, trading at as far as the GDP uh, market cap to GDP ratio was. It's 44% right now and the historical minimum was 41%, which was probably a figure that was achieved not too long ago, probably six months ago. And so you can say that China is very close to the bottom of mm. its historical valuation, whereas the same cannot be said for the United States at 114%. It is quite close, uh, is closer to the historical maximum of 150% than the historical minimum of 35%.
2: Yeah, okay. So there's also this ratio of one, right? Uh, where uh, the total market is actually equivalent to the GDP ratio. That's right. Does that mean also that the market is uh, efficient or it's correct? Valued, I don't know. Um, you know, UK, it's 109. We can argue it's 100. Uh, Canada as well, 108. Again, close to 100. Singapore um, also 106. Uh, you know, close to 100. So that does that mean that the total market is actually uh, quite, uh, uh, it, you know, the the valuation of the market is actually quite mirroring the GDP value. Eh,
1: yeah, Malaysia is not on this list, huh?
0: Yeah, Malaysia, I don't see uh, Malaysia there. But, uh, the last one that's available from World Bank data. Is uh, quite a number of years old. Is I, th- I think as uh, twenty fourteen, which puts us at about one hundred thirty-five percent of GDP. But that's very old. Uh, the historical maximum for Malaysia is about two hundred sixty percent during the Asian uh, the go-go days of uh, the pre-Asian financial crisis. Ah, early nineties. Uh, but just to answer your question, Ibrahim. Um, I I don't think the one-time ratio reflects uh, efficiency as much as it reflects potential. It means that if you're trading at 100% Mm. or 1%, uh, then people don't expect the economy's uh, economic growth to be very good uh, over the next few years. Uh, it's not that bad, but it's not that great either. So Singapore, Germany, uh, not Germany, sorry, UK um, and Canada, Canada, Canada. Australia even. Yeah, yeah. so that, there's not much potential uh, to this kind of economy.
2: Okay, so the flip side to that is that Mexico and Indonesia, where they are currently trading at 36%, now uh, that would uh, you know identify that uh, investors see that these two countries to be high performing in the near future as high as uh, so that's that's a big question mark, isn't it?
0: No, no, the, that they they don't see a lot of prospects uh, for ah, countries ah, like Indonesia, ah, okay, right? Okay. Th- only thirty six percent of the GDP. which means is they are valuing the market at less than the GDP. Um, uh, Russia, for instance, is seventeen <laughs> percent. No one trusts in the Russian economy, um, right? The trust the in the, the vodka <laughs> but not the
2: economy.
1: <laughs> what lah <laughs> La Putin? What is with doing? What is what is all he the,
0: doing? the sanctions and the Ukraine problem and the oil problem, I mean, you can expect that uh, such a market would trade like that.
1: Okay, the other measure we're also looking at is uh, dividend yields when it comes to world equity index ratios.
0: So all these ratios would mean nothing, and I mean nothing without one thing. What, what is the most intrinsic thing uh, that would make you feel like uh, this means something to me? It's cash, right? At the end of the day, if you're trying to grow and you're going to go somewhere, what does it mean to you? You you have to get some kind of a payback. Uh, for growth investors, their payback is to sell out of stock that has has the the sh- share price has shot up substantially. But what if you're a grow? Uh, what if you're uh, a um, you know an investor who likes? Uh, stocks or companies that are not very high growth and not risky, you want to mature, stable companies. The only payback to you is cash, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the valuation of stocks usually, over the long term, you bring back future cash values, you discount all future cash values into today's terms, right?
2: Now that that's very interesting because we just covered this whole uh, the yield uh, investors in SPAC yesterday. And does that mean that they also behave in this fashion
0: where, you know, cash- uh,
1: SPACs being the special purpose acquisition. Yeah, special purpose acquisition.
0: Acquisition. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So, uh, th- you brought up an extremely good point because uh, the s- s- SPAC investor at the start is very different from the SPAC investor at the end uh, in terms of expectations, as far as Malaysia, uh, Malaysia's case is concerned. Because at the start, all of them were thinking about potential, hmm. right? I put one buck there. What is the qualifying asset the spec is going to get? Uh, that was uh, all about potential. Today, it's all about the return of cash, right? So um, technically speaking, the spec should trade at their trust uh, trust money uh, in the IPO trust money and they should get back that money if qualifying assets are not identified so mm-hmm. uh, the other very important Ratio is, of course, a dividend yield. Uh, if you're a going concern and you're going to go into business uh, for the for foreseeable future, then one way to measure you is your cash flows and the return of that cash flows to your investors. And investors, sometimes they measure dividend yields according to where interest rates are. It's kind of somewhat correlated to interest rates. Interest rates are near zero right now, mm-hmm. so investors are willing to accept a lower dividend yield uh, than in the past.
2: Yeah, this is when you can group some of the markets together based on regions because uh, in the MENA region and the European region, uh, dividend yields actually no nowhere less than 3.5%. Uh, this is very much in contrast to other markets uh, in North America. Uh, NASDAQ, for instance, has a dividend yield of, say, 1.3%. In Asia, we have the Nikkei at 1.9%. So those kind of uh, uh, yield uh, expectations is, is very much reflected of the investor sentiment within those regions.
0: So if you look at, you mentioned NASDAQ, right? And the dividend yield is 1.35%, whereas the S&P 500, which is an index of the 500 largest stocks in America, uh, you see that the dividend yield is higher, 2.3%. NASDAQ's, the NASDAQ index represents companies, uh, tech companies that are growing, right? They don't have a lot of cash to give out. So dividends would be lower there. Mm. But uh, whereas the 500 largest companies are, uh, apart from Apple, likely very mature companies So Uh, so it's more sector driven,
1: also, right? That's
0: right. They tend to give out more dividends. Uh, Whereas if you look at some other economies uh, like Germany, the DAX index at 3% dividends. FTSE 100 which is the UK index that's 4.5% dividends which is actually pretty okay. good pretty so good dividends
2: if I were to substitute uh, the NASDAQ composite with uh, other markets that have some uh, or a lot of uh, tech companies I would like to go to ASX 200 for instance where some of the tech companies are listed there now there even though it's populated by uh, tech companies uh, albeit not as, much, as, as a lot as NASDAQ it does give a return of 5% one of the highest dividend yields uh, you can get uh, globally so does that mean uh, that uh, you know, tech uh, companies, in Aust- if listed in Australia, they give a lot more cash out well, the, for
0: the, the investors. A- the ASX uh, also represent other companies than yeah. tech, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, You've you got the resource mining companies, which we know are in trouble, but these companies actually have a lot of cash, so they can actually afford to give out a 5% dividends. Uh, but I, I think the, the thing to take away from here is something that's very counterintuitive. Mm. The higher your dividends are, the lower investors think of your market right the lower your the lower your dividend yields are the the higher a uh, uh, growth status that investors put into your uh, into your markets or into your economy so if you look at some of these uh, tech not tech sorry mineral related industries like Australia yeah mining uh,
1: co- in mining economies 5% right, percent,
0: yeah. um, right? And, and some of these uh, other less, lesser known markets like Pakistan this is a frontier market not a lot of people know about it uh, they're still trying to assess the riskiness of Pakistan that's giving you 6% dividends do you dare put your money I mean 6% dividends is way more than <laughs> the, the FD that <laughs> you <laughs> get right that's would that's you right. put your <laughs> but money risky, in
2: Pakistan risky, yeah. la, uh, right. on, on the streets of Islamabad you can buy bullets by the kilos um, you're kidding uh, yeah 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 by the kilos uh, AK-47 bullets by the kilos so I guess yeah, I
1: don't know what circles bullets. you've been running around no with. no no, no. <laughs>
2: this is just market survey right <laughs> I'm just doing my research
1: <laughs> sure okay it's now 9.56 and uh, you've been listening to the SM show there you go with Julian Ang Ibrahim Sani and me Melissa Idris